Hey guys, you're listening to Talk Space with Jen and Kui. I'm your girl, Jen. And I'm your girl, Kui. And this is our Safe Space podcast where we talk about all things life, from professions to family, love, laughter, and hot topics. And all the things in between, but from my perspective, of course. So welcome. Thank you. Go ahead, grab your favorite drink, have a seat, and let's just chat. In today's episode, we're going to talk about standing in our truth and what that means for each of us and why it's important to essentially always make sure that you are validating yourself and standing within your own honesty and truth. So before we jump into our conversation, we'd like to share a quote by the fabulous Oprah Winfrey. And the quote goes, as you become more clear about who you really are, you'll be better able to decide what is best for you the first time around. So hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. How do you feel about that quote? I love that. First of all, Oprah is a boss. Okay. I can appreciate all things Oprah. Um Yeah. And considering that we're going to be talking about living in our truth today and, you know, diving into some of the things that make us with what we are, I think it's going to be, I think that's a perfect and fitting quote for today's episode. Awesome. When I saw it, so I was definitely trying to find things that were by like strong black influential women. And when I saw it, I was like, "Mm, that kind of, that's kind of it. And I especially like the part, the very last part that says you'll be better able to decide what is best for you the first time around, not after multiple attempts, right? Not after we go through. Because we all know it takes, it, it takes us a few times to get it. Right, right. And even when other people tell us, like, we kind of do this thing, right? I don't want someone else to tell me what I should or shouldn't do or, you know, what I should or should. I want to be able to experience it myself so that I can say I did that. And it's probably a character flaw. I don't really know. But that's just what I like to do. So I think part of this discussion about standing in our truth and understanding who we are is going to, it's going to lead into a conversation about how not to make the mistakes that you see other people make, essentially. I mean, but I feel like you said it's a character flaw, but I feel like everybody's like that. Like, I just, I mean, just even on a child level, like I could be like, your mom would be like, don't touch that. It's going to hurt if you touch it. And what you take your narrow behind over there and do, you're going to touch it and it's going to hurt and you're crying. Like, you, like your mama didn't just tell you, you know what I'm saying? So I think just at any level of life, it's like that. Somebody could be like, girl, don't date him. I dated somebody like him before. And what you do? Go over there and fall all in love looking stupid. <laughs> but why are you coming for me right now? I don't understand. <laughs> I really, I don't understand the level of disrespect that is coming out of this early conversation. No, it wasn't a shot at you at all. That's your life. Because that wasn't directed towards you. I was just speaking from a general standpoint. I mean, it's not my entire life, but I feel like at some point... In the midst of me dating, someone specifically said, girl, don't do that. And I was like, I mean, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be okay. Girl, I wasn't okay. Whew, that shook the foundation on that one. Girl, don't feel bad. We all been there one time or several times. Or Okay. But let's go ahead and not talk about relationships on this episode. And let's jump into, um, I guess, the topic that we were going to cover, which is standing in our truth. So I guess before we get to 
what our individual truths are, we can kind of talk about why it's important to understand what your truth is and to stand in it. So how do you feel about that? I think just being able to own the space that you're in, like not for nothing, it starts even before we become who we are as adults. It's a part of the general foundation of who we become, even when we're growing up, going through your teenage years with your family, even generational things all have a way of playing a part in who we are and how we're able to live in our truth. That also stems from generations and being able to be open and honest. And people don't realize this, but like your family generational secrets and not living in the truth, that transcends to every generation, like going forward, even in our family. As we spoke before, we were raised in the same families, but our outlook on how that how that raising looked was very different. And we were not always encouraged to be our true selves. We sometimes were encouraged to kind of hide behind the facade of things. And low key, no high key. I think it's caused some trauma like in our lives. I can definitely agree with that. Um, and whether the trauma is large scale, as some would consider a small scale, I don't want anyone to discount the effects of trauma, period. It doesn't matter whether it's physical trauma, mental trauma, or emotional trauma. And I think things such as living behind the facade, whether it's a name, whether it's a person, everything is a mask. And I think from a very early age, a lot of us, um, and this is people-wide, not necessarily just talking about in our family, but a lot of us are taught to live behind a mask unintentionally. I don't think everyone intends to teach us that as we're growing up, but what happens when we fall and we hurt ourselves? We get told, oh, you're okay, it's okay, dust it off and keep going, instead of reveling in that moment of you being hurt as a child, of you scraping your knee. And it may seem like something that's very minimal, However, when that pattern gets repeated over and over and over again, every time you are hurt, whether it's physically or emotionally or mentally, every time you are hurt, you just have been programmed and you continue to program yourself on a regular basis to just get up and keep going instead of sitting and acknowledging that something happened, assessing what happened, and then analyzing your feelings. And then once you do that, then you can move on. But I think a lot of times, as you mentioned, when we're just living behind this facade, we don't really get that opportunity. Then when we uncover that that facade was a facade, because we don't always know it's a facade at the time, but when we uncover that it was a facade, it shakes us, right? It kind of is like, whoa, so everything I thought isn't, now what do I do? And that is the tough part. And people don't, and I and I think just overall, people don't realize that those facades are like not living in your truth. That ends up being something that will impact your relationships with people negatively in the future, you know? And I think that's part of the, I guess it's part of the like process that, you know, people not allowing you to be who you are and want to be, how that impacts you. And like, I mean, you think about even men who are like, oh, I never wanted to be like my father. Well, your father was an alcoholic who beat your mother, you know, and that's traumatic. And you're like, I'm never going to be that. And then you end up that same thing just because you weren't able to deal with the emotions of or the impact of the emotions from that, that trauma. That is so so important here, right? Not being able to be who you are. That's why it takes, in my opinion, right? This is just our opinion, guys. We are not saying that this is factual information. Please don't go and try to like (laughs) live by everything that we say. 
but really you can some of it. But anyway, when you're not able to be who you are from a young age, you don't know who you are as an adult. And when you don't know who you are, you can't live in your truth. You find yourself conforming. You find yourself people pleasing, right? That's a huge thing that people don't realize stems from not being grounded in who you truly, truly are. The necessity to please or that urge and desire to constantly please and constantly seek approval comes from the fact that a lot of times you don't have that basis for yourself. So it's super, super important. And I think it's important for these conversations to be had so that as we are raising children, as we have the next generation in our hands, or even in our relationships with our peers, we can kind of cultivate these environments that encourage people to just be, like just be you authentically, figure out what that is and continue to be in that consistently. So I'll go ahead and I'll just kind of start with what my truth is and something that I'm realizing as an adult. I have the angry black woman syndrome. It's like what I like to call it. And what I mean by that is I am sometimes, most of the time, quick to anger. Like anger is one of my top emotions. You know, close first place is happiness. And I try to maintain a certain level of happiness, but like right up under happiness, like like right there. Is anger. I'm very quick to anger about stupid things. And we had kind of had a brief conversation about this before, but I think that, you know, if I'm being honest, it, it stemmed from the way that I was raised. And not that I didn't have love and happiness in my house because it definitely was. But I think sometimes when it came to being, y'all know, a kid, stupid, making dumb decisions as a teenager. The first emotion that I received was not always that of something peaceful, but more of anger. And I didn't realize it until Jen and I were having a a conversation about it. And I had to kind of do some recalibrating of like what my head is, is that that came from my childhood. You're acknowledging your truth, which is important, right? We have to acknowledge that. In that, are there things that you think... Maybe you haven't completely addressed or dealt with or processed and you're still kind of holding on to those things. Or do you think as a result of that very first reaction, what tends to be a lot of people's reaction, right? When you have a child that's doing something that they know they shouldn't be doing or that you've told them not to do, parents kind of react in that way that kind of sticks with the the child, excuse me. Do you think that that was somewhat traumatizing and you just always, um, you walk around on guard all the time? I definitely think that has a lot to do do with it. And I don't want to say that I'm holding on to anything. And I'll be honest, like having recently had a conversation with my mom and it was in a very light kind of environment. Her, my dad and I were talking and I kind of brought light to the fact that a lot of times you would react quickly with anger. And, you know, she kind of said, oh, no, I never did that. Like, you're making that, you're completely making that up. Like, and it wasn't a light environment. Like, it wasn't something that was like completely, you know, let me, let me work through it, you know, not trying to like beat you up about it. And she kind of looked at my dad and she was like, I never did that. Right. I never did that. And he was like, no, you did. 
He was like, you did, you know? And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, there were so many times that even though I was messing up and doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing, coming to you was so scary because your first reaction was always anger. And there would ever be times where we would be laughing and joking and all of a sudden my mom wasn't in the mood anymore. Like, and we get anger. And I was like, you know, and I think that's why I spent a good bit of my teenage years walking on eggshells, like, because I just felt like I never knew what I was going to get. And it didn't really hit me until the person that I'm with now that I love more than anybody in the world told me that, you know, he told me that he was like, sometimes I just don't know what I'm getting with you. I don't know when you're in a good mood. I don't know when you just don't want to be bothered. And honestly, Jen, it wasn't until we had the conversation the other day that I realized like all of that, that angry black girl syndrome, it stemmed from my relationship with my mom. So first I just want to acknowledge your vulnerability. And I want to say thank you for that because that's not something that is always very easy to do. Um, especially on a platform where you know that other people are going to hear it and they're going to form your opinion. So let me say thank you. Let me tell you that I appreciate you, that I love you, that you're still cute and sexy and a boss in your vulnerability, and I love it. And I got bubble snot all over my face. (laughs) It's okay, Viola. It's okay. (laughs) We still love you. Um, So in acknowledging that, I want to also make mention or, or re-mention something that you said. And that was that you didn't realize it until the person that you're with now said, I never know what I'm going to get. And that's something that resonates with me. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I may or may not have heard that one, two or 15 times, <laughs> but that's my business. <laughs> And I'm going to live in that truth right now. And I think it's something that is so powerful when you realize it, right? It's so, it's, it can be a bit, you know, like catching you off guard and you can be taken aback and your first reaction can be like, whoa, what are you talking about? That's not what I'm doing. But the moment that you actually begin realizing that this person is telling me this because they love me, because they have to deal with me, because they choose, let me not say they have to, because they don't, because they choose to still be involved and they choose to create teachable and learning moments that what they're saying is not coming from a place that you can't trust. It's not coming from a place that's not safe. It's not coming from a place that is there to hurt you. It's literally coming from a place that's like, hey, babe, I realize that you do this. When you do this, it makes me feel this way. How can we work on it so that we don't create situations where the both of us, you know, kind of feel like we're on edge. So that is amazing. That is powerful. Shout out to that special person for them to be able to acknowledge that and bring it to you in a way that, you know, gives you a moment to kind of self-reflect. And like, first of all, full disclosure, if anybody knows me, they know that my mom is my best friend. Like, Okay, some of y'all be like, oh, my mama's my best friend. But like, let me tell y'all something. Uh, Lisa, <laughs> listen, she is my absolute best friend. I know without a shadow of a doubt, it does not matter the time, the day, 
none of that. I know that I can depend on her. And not just because she's my mom, but because like, she's honestly my friend. And it took us some time to kind of get to that point. But in my own reflection of realizing that I was emulating a lot of that, that she gave to me as a kid and as a teenager, I also identify that it was a healing moment for her, for her to realize that she did that because she healed from it because she realized that was also what she got. So you get what I'm saying? That's how she gave it to me. And that was just what was taught. But of course, my mama is this new centered and self-aware lady who she wasn't (laughs) when I was growing up. And I love her for that. I love her for the growth and the openness and being able to, because let, let's say something about human nature. Sometimes we forget that when people call us on our stuff, when people call us on our stuff, sometimes it's really hard for us to receive. But for her to be able to say, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was a problem. And I apologize. And that's not who I am or want to be ever again. That was a really good healing moment. Even though, like I said, the initial conversation was very light. She still healed from that because one, nobody ever called her on it. And then number two, she had to be in a space to receive it. Okay. So let's talk about that space, right? Because that's actually something that as you were talking, I just wrote down and I I was saying that I think it takes time, right? For both parties to have um, the mind frame or the mindfulness and the strength and the adult mentality, not the grown mentality, because being grown and being an adult are two different things and being emotionally intelligent enough and emotionally available enough to have that conversation. And again, receive it and give it in a way that does not create a toxic environment, that does not create animosity, that does not create resentment or anger, any of that. So shout out, like you said, to growth, shout out to being centered and focused and being open to having discussions that may not always be the easiest discussions to have. Yeah. And I think like that was kind of like the aha moment. And so I'm working hard every day to like kind of keep that anger to keep it under control because your girl be spazzing sometimes sometimes for no reason okay I'm bad y'all I could listen if we living in our truth let me let me be honest sometimes your girl be flipping out about nothing okay I really y'all I was telling Jen when we talked before about the whole incident with the door not being open and how mad how completely y'all know the hot feeling you get when you get mad And how like the blood rushed to the top of your head and your face get hot. Yeah, I felt like that because now y'all, I don't even know if he noticed, but he knew I was coming home. He knew it was about time for me to be home and the door wasn't open when I got home. (laughs) And I was just so mad. And it's funny because I'm trying to get myself together. I didn't even go there with him. Like I didn't, I was like, let me not even, that's a you, Quisha. That's a you, that's a you issue. Work through that. And I worked through it in about 30 seconds because I had to get this together. But y'all, I was pissed. I wanted to be like, why is it the door open? Y'all, y'all pray for me. I'm a work in progress. But you realized within mere seconds that that was not his fault. That it was the way that you guys had been locking the door. Since forever. So I am proud that you did not pop off in that moment. <laughs> and anybody that knows me, I will pop off in a minute. Okay. I Listen, my little sister, anybody that knows me, if I'm home, she not too far behind me. Molly's loyalty to me is like unmatched. Okay. It don't matter what it is. I could be very wrong, but she going to be right there with me. Y'all, 
she will tell somebody in heartbeat, y'all better leave her alone. She ain't in a good mood today. And they know if she say I'm not in a good mood, what that mean? I ain't in a good mood. That means leave her all the way alone. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not repeat. You just better slide to the left and disappear from her line of sight. Because if she even sees you in the peripheral and she catches you looking at her, it's going to be a situation. But I'm working on it. Y'all, we doing better, okay? We've had less pop-offs in 2021 than we had ever. Y'all, I'm doing good. We only five months in, y'all, but y'all better hope I keep it together. Listen, I was just about to say 2021 is not over yet. Like, but I'm glad, uh, you know, that you recognize that you have done better in 2021 and that you are looking forward to um, progressing past your angry black woman truth. Um, If you don't mind, though, I want to read something because I think it kind of ties into some of the things that we've already talked about. So this was an article that was published in Time magazine. And it says, Black women have the right to be mad as hell. We have been dreaming of freedom and carving out spaces for liberation since we arrived on these shores. There is no other group, save Indigenous women, that knows and understands more fully the soul of the American body politic than Black women, whose reproductive and social labor have made the world what it is. This is not mere propaganda. Black women know what it means to love ourselves in a world that hates us. We know what it means to do a whole lot with very little, to make a dollar out of 15 cents, in quotations, as it were. We know what it means to snatch dignity from the jaws of power and come out standing. We know what it means to face horrific violence and trauma from both our communities and our nation state and carry on anyway. But we also scream and cry and hurt and mourn and struggle. We get heartbroken, our feelings get stepped on, our dreams get crushed. And so, yes, we get angry. Everything that that article says really resonates. It does. And I know that we're talking about the angry Black woman syndrome just in my personal life. But sometimes, child, that thing thing seep out at work, too, in my professional life. It it seep out. I talked to y'all last time about having to remember to flip my switch on. Child, sometimes it just slip out. My bad. I forgot. So (laughs) I think that there's... There's a healthy way to rechannel angry Black women syndrome, I think, um, in the workspace. I think it just kind of depends on the environment. It depends on the situation. Um, because, you know, you were right when you said it before. You don't want to be known as that person around the office, right? In corporate environments. You get that stigma and it's hard to shake. You get that stigma and no matter how much you change, you know, your behavior, once it's there, it's there. And they may smile in your face, but you will always and forever be the angry Black woman. Or there will always be a concern that you're going to turn back into the angry Black woman. That concern is valid. Because if the right person (laughs) comes to my desk on the right day, it's bound to go down. Yeah. (laughs) I can't. I tried to mute my mic and then I accidentally unmuted it just now. But I was dying laughing when you just said that. But that's valid. That's valid. All right. Well, since you have divulged all of your truth, (laughs) and I feel like in order to create equal balance, I should divulge my truth. I will say that my truth is I am 
So last time when we discussed this, I said that I'm simplistically complicated. And I feel like to some degree that that's valid. But I feel like in another degree, it's giving power to what people have said versus me just saying, I am very particular. I have standards. I have expectations. And in those expectations, in those requirements, I feel like I voice them regardless of the situation, regardless of the interaction, whether it's family, friendship, intimacy, you know, like a dating situation or work or church folk, whatever it is, I feel like I voice those expectations and those requirements and it gets complicated. So that's the simple part, right? Like I tell you upfront, this is what I need. This is when I'm probably going to need it. These will be the words that I use when I am in need. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I can offer. This is how I can contribute. And I feel like once I do that, I approach every situation with a with a smidge of vulnerability in doing that. And once I do that, if that vulnerability is not accepted, I don't want to say accepted, but if that vulnerability is not appreciated and it's not respected and that situation or that interaction does not give me what I feel like I need from it, especially when I've already voiced it and I've told my expectations and I was reassured that the expectations would be met, it gets complicated because now we have a disconnect because if someone else comes to me and they say, these are my expectations, this is what I need, this is what I want. If that's the situation that I choose to engage in, then I'm going to respect what that person needs. I'm not going to be able to deliver on everything, right? No one's going to be able to deliver on everything. And so I always go in with that realistic expectation. However, comma, when I go unheard and I am what I feel is just being disrespected, it switches up very quickly for me. And I, I don't hide behind a mask anymore. I used to. I used to suck it up, keep it moving, let's save face, but that's not where I am. And it's not even where I want to be. I do not want to save face anymore. I do not want to put on a mask. I do not want to act like everything is okay when it's not okay. I'm not going to cause a scene and, you know, make a mess of a situation, but you are going to know that something is not okay with me because for me, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Queen, that's a boundary for me. If I put on a mask and I stay behind a facade, that means I'm erasing my boundary. And I don't have a lot of boundaries, but the ones that I have are stern and like they have to stay there. So if I have set that boundary and I go against that boundary, then that for me is like going back into that phase where I'm hiding behind a facade. So I can't hide anymore. I refuse to hide. I hid for a very long time. I hid my personality. I hid my voice. I hid everything that made me me except, you know, except for like interactions with a few people. But then I always felt muted and I always felt suffocated. And I always felt like I wasn't getting the most out of every single interaction that I possibly could get. So over the last, I want to say maybe the last 10 years, I've made sure that all of my interactions are intentional. All of my dealings with people are intentional. Everything has a purpose. And in that purpose, I am standing in my truth and I am doing the things that I need to do. Does that mean I've been perfect? Absolutely not, right? I've definitely, definitely gone against my better judgment sometimes. And I've definitely done things that I knew before I even did them, I shouldn't have done. 
but I did them anyway, because in that moment, that was me standing in my truth. It's what I wanted in that particular moment. And so when we're talking about standing in our truth, I want people to understand that your truth is not linear. No one's truth should ever be linear. It should never stay the same. That's not to say that your core values and things should change, but we evolve as beings on this planet every single day. Something changes about us every single day. We notice a new gray hair. We gain a pound, we lose a pound. We notice a chin hair that maybe wasn't there the day before. Why are you putting my business out on the street like that? Oh my that God. was for me. The disrespect. That I feel was attacked. for me. I feel attacked. As soon as this, as soon as this go off, I'm putting in the comments, I feel attacked. <laughs> there is no attacking. That was literally for me. Um, but within all of those things, everything changes on a day-to-day basis. So it's okay that what your truth is one day is not your truth a week later. It's not your truth a year later. And that's why, right, we can have interactions with people that maybe were not very good interactions at one point in our life, but then we circle back around and we reconnect and then the interaction is completely different. It's because we change every single day. So I think we have to understand that every day we're stepping into a new truth or what could possibly be a new truth, essentially. And when we spoke before, we talked about how saving face doesn't save your face. When you, whenever you save face and you put that facade on, remember that's for somebody else. That's to make somebody else happy. When you, when you're wearing this mask and are not able to live in who you are, good, bad, ugly, and different, you're actually protecting somebody else. So you're not protecting yourself. I think that's why it's like such a good time, like especially. 2020 taught us that losing people is something that's very easy. Life is too short. You have to be who you are and you have to be able to acknowledge those things, those things that you hide behind that facade. Put that out. The people that will receive it and will say, hey, like you said, I appreciate you for being vulnerable with me. Those people, those are the people you're actually going to want in your corner, not the people who are like, oh, I like the facade better. That's not you. You know, you're not being true to yourself. That is awesome. And I'm so glad you brought that up in this conversation because it's definitely something that we talked about before, but it's also a sign that you're not standing in your truth. If you have everyone around you um, are people that you can't be completely vulnerable with, you are not standing in your truth as a person, right? You are not being the most authentic part of you And even though we all have different parts, we all have different layers, even if you don't want to acknowledge it, if there's any time in your life when you're not standing in your truth, you have layers. Let's just be honest, okay? Because sometimes we have to peel things back in order for the truth to shine through. But if at any point you look around and your circle, everybody's in the same situation, everybody's kind of going through the same things, everybody has the same somewhat instability or the same uncertainty about things, People are not living in their truth and you're surrounding yourself with people that are going through similar things so that you feel better about what it is you are going through and where you are in life. And guys, listen, that's not healthy. It is not healthy. We all want to be comfortable. We all want to feel like we're doing okay. But if everyone around you is doing the exact same thing and you were all people pleasing within each other. It's just a sign. It's two signs, really, that you're not standing in your truth. Girl, listen, my best friend and I 
recently had a conversation that way about that, like about this exact thing. Sometimes when you find yourself looking for people who gonna say yes, 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 men in your life, honey, those people are actually validating the facade. They're not validating what you're going through. Honey, I want somebody, I want people in my life who are gonna shake things up. Like, hold up, sis, let me get you together real quick. That's what I need in my life. And if you do not want people in your circle like that, then baby, honey, you wearing a mask. It might be cute, honey, it might be beat down, but you wearing a mask. And you may be fooling some people, but I guarantee you the people that you are fooling are the people who also have a mask and they don't want to dig deep. So when we create these situations where people aren't digging deep, we're creating superficial situations in our lives. And the problem with superficial situations is that we have them so that we can remain in control. So let's let that sit in for a second. When we have superficial relationships in our life, it is because we need to be able to feel like something is under our control. Like we can always, and I don't want to use the word manipulate, but it's also, it's like molding the situation to be what we want it to be, to enhance our comfort level, essentially. And it's still fake and it ain't healthy. Okay. Listen. Period. (laughs) It's not healthy. That situation, like, and it's just, it's no different than being in a controlling situation, a controlling relationship, you know, growing up, your family wanting you to do one thing and focus on religion. Like, it's no different than any of that. You trying to mold your environment so that it fits your facade is not okay. Do any of y'all watch, um, G, tell me if you watch uh, Married at First Sight. You ever seen it? I have never seen it because I have an addictive personality and I feel like I'm going to get addicted to the show. <laughs> Baby, it is this guy on this show and he has a control issue. And I couldn't do it because I got to be who I am. Like, you ain't about to tell me to get my together. If I don't want to get it together and I want to let it all hang out, it's going to all hang out, baby. All of the time. She's serious about that, y'all. She, she, she is dead serious. No questions asked. But yeah, that situation definitely wouldn't work for me either because you can't control me. I have been in situations, full disclosure, right? I have been in situations where people tried to control me. I've been in situations long time ago, guys, not recently. Because if you've known me in the last 10 years or so, you know, nobody is controlling this right here. She disrespectful. That's what she meant. That is not what I meant, but it's probably what I should have meant. So we're going to go ahead and let it slide. (laughs) But in the past, there have definitely been situations where I let someone else control me and control my actions, control what I did on a regular basis. And it was in those times that I felt so stifled. And then there have been times where I didn't necessarily let someone control me, but I let my dream of a situation control me, or I let the idea that I was in love with control me. And I knew it was happening, but I wasn't ready to let go of it because I knew that if I let go of it, I was going to be my disrespectful self, as Kui says, (laughs) and that situation would not exist anymore. But in doing so, first of all, let's say yes, in doing so, I wrote a book, hallelujah. But in in doing so, I limited my life in so many other areas that it didn't deserve to be limited because I was not setting the strong boundaries that I set now. And because I was not always living in my own truth, I was living in someone else's truth and in someone else's idea and dream. 
And that's boring to put it lightly. That's boring. Being who somebody else wants you to be like, that's boring, honey. I want to let it all hang out. I want to be who I am. I want to be free to do whatever it is that I want to do. And you trying to put me in your box, baby, this big body bins ain't going to fit in your box. Okay. Listen, I may not have the big body bins, but my personality is too big. It is way too big to fit into somebody's box, into somebody's puzzle piece, into somebody else's idea of what I should be. I remember one time um, my dad had asked me about like my dating life and if I had found someone. And I was just, at the time I was in a place and I was like, no, I haven't really found anyone. And I remember, this is a long time ago, guys, don't come for me or my parents. But I remember him saying, maybe, you know, you could just not come across so strong. Like maybe you could just kind of wheel it back a little bit, dumb it down a little bit because you are very intelligent and you are very independent and people are going to feel like they don't have, like you don't have a need for them in your life. And I remember that that comment made me feel like, oof, maybe I'm too much. Like maybe Maybe I do need to, because maybe I come across and it wasn't even a conscious thought, but let me tell you how I know that it happened because I started not telling people all of the things that I was doing in my life. Like I started, I began to like, just, I just wouldn't say as much. I wouldn't say as much because if anybody knows me, you know, that I typically have multiple things going on. Like I'm, I'm just always doing something all of the time. Busy, booked and busy. (laughs) All the time. Like you have to get at me weeks in advance if you want to do something because I, my planner is just, I just fill it up and I like being active. I like being busy. And when he said that subconsciously, I took that, I received that and I began to dumb down my lifestyle and dumb down my personality. And yes, it attracted more people, but it did not attract the people that I needed nor that I wanted, nor that I deserved. Let's just be honest. And this isn't about me being better than someone, someone being better than me, but it's about each of us, just like our DNA is a unique genetic code, our personalities are unique genetic codes. And we have to, we have to make sure that we're allowing people into our lives in any capacity, in any way, shape, and form that match our unique code. And I was not doing that because I was just like, maybe I am too much, but honey, I am. I'm too much for the person that I'm not meant to be with. I am too much for the friend that is not supposed to be in my life. Hell, I am too much for the employer that does does not recognize my worth, which is probably why I'm only a contract employee now. Thank you very much. Listen, come on with the word. Did you just start preaching? I felt like I was getting the gospel just now. Listen, and then. That is so valid, honey. That's why I always say people want you to fit in their box. And baby, if I don't fit in your box, that's because I'm not meant to. Okay. It, it What's not for me is not going to be for me. That's it. Period. So I have a best friend guys, and I'm about to put her business out there. I'm not going to put her name just yet. Cause I know she's not ready for it, but she is an amazing and amazing abstract artist. And I'm not just saying that because she's my friend, because I support everybody in small ways, but she is an amazing artist. And she did a piece and the piece literally says, don't box me in. That piece is hanging on my wall right now. And I look at it every time that I am home 
because that's how important it is for me to remember that I was not meant to fit in anybody's box. I was not meant to check people's boxes. I was not meant to be a prototype of the perfect anyone for anybody. And that I was only meant and specifically designed for the people that I was specifically designed for. Point blank, period, no semicolons, no commas, exclamation point. And that is a word, okay? But I think sometimes too, you gotta also get past the need of acceptance. So in having that conversation or hearing your dad say something like that, you know, it kind of like, wow, you know, I I respect his opinion. I respect his thoughts. Is what he's saying valid? You know what I'm saying? So I know it took a while for you to work through that. And guys, that's what we're saying. Live in your truth. Let your situation be what it is. The people that love you and care about you are going to do that regardless. Like, regardless if things are falling apart and you're in shambles and you need help or whatever, the people that got you going to get you. Right. And I remember having a follow-up conversation with my dad a couple of years later. And guys, this is years and years and years ago. And I understand why my dad said it only because I'm trying to look at it through his eyes. And he really just wanted to see me happy. And he just kind of felt like if I wasn't so much all of the time, like right up front, then maybe that would give people time to just kind of get used to me on a slow basis. The problem is I'm not a slow basis type of person. From the moment you are in my life, you're probably in my family's life as well, because our friends come around. If you are a true friend, you know our family. Okay. You are there. Our family specifically asks for you to the point that if we show up without you, sometimes they're like, oh, where's such and such. And you're they like, so disrespect. Hold up. Let's, let's pause for a moment. Cause right. they're disrespectful with that low key. Really? Can I, like not I barely get a, Hey, how you doing? Sometimes you don't even get the, Hey, they'd be like, oh, like for me, it's where's Kina. If it's not, where's Kina now? Because Kina's in the military now is where's Kevin. Um, Hey, I'm here. They said they had enough of us. They've seen us all our entire lives. They want all the new people now. But yes, that is how our family is, right? Because they know that once you bring someone around and you're bringing them around consistently, that that's a person that's in your life for whatever capacity, for whatever reason. So they begin to ask about you. So we revisited this conversation a couple of years later. It was just super impromptu. And my dad was like, I shouldn't have told you that. (laughs) My dad was like, I don't even remember saying that, but I shouldn't have told you that. And be you. I raised you to be you. I raised you to go out there, take over the world, go ahead and do it. And I think at the time, he just really wanted to see me happy with someone. But my happiness has always started with me. And like, I'm going to forever have to be okay with myself first and have to be happy within myself because no one else is supposed to make me happy. They're just supposed to complement my already existing happiness. And I think a lot of times we go around with this facade, like, oh, this person makes me so happy. Uh-uh, boo-boo. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I've been happy. And I have been okay. And I have been strong and I have been stable and all of that. But that person comes in, and I remember hearing someone say this, and I cannot remember who I heard say this, but when that person comes in, they complement everything you already have. They only add two. Listen, two days ago, I just posted that on my Snapchat. Like, I, I never, I never really thought about it because for me, it's always about being happy with who I am and not needing or seeking validation from anybody else. But I just posted, if you follow me on Snapchat, then you just seen it two days ago. I was like, you cannot look for your happiness and your love in somebody else, whether that be your friends, 
your relationship, your family, whoever. You cannot look for love and happiness in other people. First of all, that's exhausting because that's never going to be able to fuel you consistently. You're never going to be consistently okay. Because let me tell y'all, if you are not happy with yourself, when the person that is supplying your happiness, what happens when y'all fall out? What happens when y'all are arguing really bad? Or what happens when when your family or your friends are not showing up for you how they should? Then where you get that happiness from? Maybe you got to you got to breathe happiness and whatever some like like Jen said, whatever somebody is giving you should be an addition to what you already have. That should not be the only thing that's fueling you because you're never really gonna be happy long term. And that is coming from the book of talk space in the new international version, chapter one. Verse 3.75. <laughs> that is where you can find it. Yes. 0.75 though. Listen, it was, I was trying to come out with it and that's the only thing that came to mind. So that's what we're going to go with. You guys, it's so important. We have to be okay with ourselves. And when I say okay, I don't mean like we have to force through not being okay, because if you're not okay, then that's your okay in that particular moment, except that that's what it is. But You have to be there by yourself first before you can introduce anybody else into that situation. Listen, I heard a good pastor say, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And in order to get to the other side of that, you have to work through whatever it is with you. That's why I said like my healing moment dealing with the things that I experienced from, you know, the angry black woman syndrome, the healing moment was to work through where that was coming from. The reason why I was that healing moment for me ended up being able to heal somebody else, which of course y'all know my mom, but I had to heal first. I had to work through that and deal with it on my own first before I presented that to her. Because I mean, like Jen said, if I was still holding on to that, still harboring on it and hadn't moved past it, then that wouldn't have been a moment that was so light as it was because it was a healing moment, but it was very light. It didn't feel exhausting at the end of it. Nobody cried. Well, I cried because she apologized. But, you know, and she she cried too, though. Y'all don't, you might want to edit this out because I don't want Lisa hearing everybody. She don't cry. But no, for real. It ended up being a healing moment because I had to work through it. And let me tell y'all something. Working through that also put a stop to any further hurt that that may have caused. Because I don't have kids. So that opportunity to not present that type of environment to my children has been stopped. Because I'm working on it. Like I told you, I'm a work in progress. I'm working on it. But it, it was it was able to stop it because we live it in our truth. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of want to sum up everything that you just said. It sounds like you just put an end to experiences that were probably passed down from her mother and her mother's mother and her mother's mother mother. I think that was right. Y'all don't count those mothers because I got lost somewhere in translation. We have to start accepting that these things actually exist. And by you having that conversation and you doing something that you mentioned, which was while you were healing, you healed someone else. That's how we put an end to these things. That's why we are having these conversations, guys. That's why we have talk space because this is our healing process. It's our letter to Black women. It's our ode to Black women, but it's our healing process. So that hopefully someone else can heal as well. And I think that's honestly what the hope is, is to really make it known that having those open conversations. Now, again, you got to make sure you work through it for you first before you go out there trying to heal other folks. You got to be good and healed. Okay. But I think you're right. Like, and that's the goal. 
you know, you never want somebody to be thinking that you're kind of like you're healing, but you're not. You want that to be real growth there in order to help grow, girl. You got to, you got to be able to plant a seed. You can't plant no seed if you ain't got no seeds to plant. Listen, you have to have seeds. You have to have fertilized soil. You got to have some nutritious water. You got to have all of the above in order to plant anything, to have it be fruitful, to gain something from it, which is your harvest. You have to have all of that, guys. And that's what this is. Go ahead and let Talkspace be your soil. Listen, we got you. We got you, bosom doll, right up in here. We got you, sis. Wait, not in the bosom. Now, you know, if more than anybody else, it's a lot of bosom to be had over here. It is all of the bosom. We are here for it, guys. And that's what we say. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, if you follow us on social media, we are here for all of it. But we will always and forever stand in our truth. Listen, we're going to speak what's real, okay? And the way that I feel, y'all, just to piggyback off the beginning quote is breathe, let go and be that boss bitch, okay? Period. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble with my mom. Hey, don't be watching your mouth. I know it's coming, y'all. I know it's coming. But seriously, just remember, you are that bitch. And that's it, guys. That's our show. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Talkspace with Jen and Queen. And remember, we're here for all of it, but let's tell the truth. We'll talk to you guys in two weeks.